This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It ain't my problem. Oh, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I know it's been a bit of a hiatus here, and um, it's with good reason. We've been working on something. I told you guys this spring we were working on something. And uh, whenever you make a big change, um, it takes time to roll out and things come slowly in many instances as you work through those processes. And so we're going to do a limited series here and it's going to be the last of its kind. Um, it's going to be the last limited series for chasing tales, uh, which is kind of rough to say out loud. There are thoughts, Adam, that you can think and it's okay. And then you verbalize it. And like, there's a power to the words you choose to use and, and what feeling that invokes. And when I said that out loud, that, that got me uh, a little bit. So uh, here, here we are. This is going to be part one of a three-part series we're going to do called "Going Out of Business Sale." And so uh, I don't know if you remember this. Do you remember the old cartoons they would make about all the different going out of business stores in downtown New York? And it'd be like going out of business sale one, going out of business sale two, and there was just like lines of the of the different uh, stores like that. That's kind of what we're doing here. We got three three big episodes. I'm going to bring you guys. You guys have been awesome over the years. And we've been putting a lot of time and thought into how we can do this the right way. And we're going to do it this way. I've brought on our three most popular downloaded guests, the ones that when people say, hey, what's your favorite podcast? They get tagged and they get talked about the, the ones that the downloads clearly showed they really enjoyed. And so we've lined up three up three guests, Adam Miller, Jake Bush, Taylor Chamberlain. And uh, <laughs> we're going to save the, the, the best for last, obviously. But uh uh, what we're going to do is at the very end of all of that, we're doing a monstrous giveaway. Um, I'm not going to tell you what the giveaway is, uh, but it's huge and uh, it's very expensive and I think you're really going to like it. And so here we are today. I'm here to commiserate. I'm here to, to to look back on five years of podcasting with the dude that uh, in the ultimate irony, I tried to convince not to start a podcast uh, shortly after I got mine going for a variety of reasons. And he, to this day, has never let it me down, live it down that A, I never made it to the ATA show. B, 
Uh, I've never made it to any of the events that he's been a part of, even uh, like a Tennessee. Um, uh, what's that? What's that shoot that y'all do? Tack. Tack. Yeah. 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 Never made it to the Tennessee Tack. Um, and hell, the fact that I told him he shouldn't start a podcast. I mean, we just never lived any of that down. As a fellow that, uh, as you go through life, you find individuals that are just really similarly minded. You might not talk to him for a month, but the minute you pick up the phone, you pick up right where you left. And uh, Adam has always talked big ideas, and uh, we've, we've grown together in the podcasting space in a way that I didn't imagine when he first reached out about starting a podcast. So, dude, uh, thank you for being one of the final three episodes of Chasing Tales. Well, I mean, it's one of those things where we had this conversation when we talked and I'm like, uh, I'm sorry for the listener um, because it's like, how am I in that conversation? I mean, like what other like podunk South Florida guests have you had like Florida man guests that this is one of the ones that that guy that talks so funny. He says, and he does. He says, fellow. He don't say feller. He don't say rough. down there. Rough. He didn't say Akron. What the hell's an Akron? Acorn. Acorn. Oh man, <laughs> that's all I can think about. You know, th- those other two guys are, you know, uh, w- which is hilarious, and it kind of goes right into what you're you're talking about. Is those are guys that I've met in person multiple times. Th- those are guys that even. Uh, <laughs> Every time I saw him at uh, at TAC this year, he walked right up to me with his hand out and said, hey, I'm Jake Bush. Because when I walked into the Mobile Hunter Expo last year, I, I did the dozens of podcasts, like lots of face-to-face with this guy, like over the computer. I go up and I'm talking to Parker and Jake's, Jake and him are talking. So I just shake Parker's hand and I'm just sitting there waiting for the conversation to die down. Jake looks at me and he's like, oh, hey, I'm Jake Bush. And I was like, Hey Jake, he's like, oh man, I feel like such an idiot. So he, every time he sees me, he's like, he said, from now until eternity, every time I see you, I'm be like, hey, I'm Jake Bush. And uh, actually, I I saw him hunting down in Ohio. I met up with him, and we did a little map uh, scout um, down there. And uh, sure as shit, he gets out of the truck and says, hey, I'm Jake Bush. So, <laughs> but how how in the world I ended up on the on the top three? Um, maybe it's a good thing this thing's going out of business. <laughs> and i think that right there is why you're in the top three whenever you've come on the podcast or whenever i've been on your podcast my listeners so the patreon group uh which is still like just humming along despite all the the delays and the changes that are coming um it, it's humming along and they love to give me hell you know you 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 wear the moniker world's worst bow hunter like all the time and i'm just like the consummate uh toxically optimistic outdoorsman the only thing i do with any kind of consistency is kill turkeys and if it's outside of that i can't do it without uh brett or somebody tying the deer down for me before i get there and so whenever you get on dude you just you just you cut to the to the bone and you just come at me and i think people just really like that man they uh people with a good sense of humor on a podcast is obvious like remarkably hard to find i don't know if you've found that to be the case it seems like people get really serious once the camera gets on well i mean in in this our relationship is is um something because my wife is like you still haven't met this guy i'm like he doesn't leave the state of florida he doesn't go anywhere he's the cheapest guy like well aaron blicey with the fall podcast big shout out you got to go over and check that podcast out but he's tight too like these guys don't want to spend any money they're like no no that's you know that 
none of that where this podcast, whatever money comes in, like that's just over there. And it's like, it's all marketing. Like just go have fun, see your friends and being able to, when I first started this, like, I don't know if this is going to hurt your feelings, Walter, but I did uh, talk to another uh, very large um, podcaster and uh, I went over to his house because that's what you do is you meet people in person. And uh, I brought a, a case of beer and we sat there and drank uh, darn near a case of beer. And he called it the duck blind test. He said, you know, once you build a rapport with someone, like, could you sit in a duck blind all morning and mm-hmm. cut up and, and, and go back and forth? Um, and, and that's kind of like what I try to do, like, well, obviously in life, but in uh in the podcast world now having done it for so long you've got some this this network that you've kind of built so i mean i like to talk and i like to hunt and i like to drink beer and uh i find those people and i do those things and whenever we go to these events like i was just texting somebody like on instagram who was like oh we missed you at tech and i'm like dude i'm a terrible businessman like i'm awesome at networking i love to drink beer but i love to you know uh, learn. I love to see the people that actually listen to the podcast, mm-hmm. see my friends. And like, that's why I'm, I'm there. I'm not there to, to build a brand. Like I'm there. I am the brand. Like, this is what we did, you know, 10 years ago before there was a podcast. Now it's just like, I get to meet cool people and, and do the same thing. So that like, that is, is what it's about. So if I come on here and bust your balls, well, I mean, that's your fault. Hey, I don't, I don't, I have a thick skin. I am a short, redheaded, soulless ginger, uh, that, that was ne- like, I think I topped out at my height in like seventh grade and I haven't changed. So I, I and everybody in my family is over six foot. So it's like, okay, well here we are. Um, this is just another day in paradise for me. So I, my love language is I make fun of people. And so every time you make fun of me, I think I love you too, dad. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah. And I don't think like when you started all of this, like when I reached out to you, like you realized like how old I was or like what I did for a living or like what my life experience was. So it wasn't like you're going to be like, it was like, Hey man, you're doing this on a, on a level that like, you know, I think I can, I can, you know, I can do that. And uh, you're like, yeah, I really, honestly, I think you shouldn't do it. And I was like, all right, junior, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I did. I, you you asked me, and, and and my perspective has changed as the time has progressed because we started this thing in two thousand and seventeen. So that's almost six years now. And in that time, you know, there was a there was a lot of movement in the podcasting and the outdoor space as a whole, right? Like everybody seemed kind of to blend in and, and get lost in the shuffle. And when from the time in which I started a podcast and two years later you started your podcast, the podcasting space exploded. And even in that moment, I was looking at like how am I going to differentiate? And so when you reached out, I'm like, hey, man, I want to do – and what appeared to me what 10 other guys are already doing, I was like, this thing's going to get lost in the shuffle. Now, if I knew that you were going to be this remarkably outgoing uh, independent brand, unaffiliated, honest, remarkable, like journalist. Cause like when you interview, you have this wonderful candor that's, that's masked in your humor, but like you are, you ask the tough questions 
that a lot of people are really scared to ask. And you do it in a non-threatening way and you provoke really good answers and you can you kind of push them a little bit. And every time you have a brand on that's in a space that, you know, um is facing some kind of like obstacle socially, right? And you ask those questions, they they it seems to bring out the best from that brand at the same time. And so um you have excelled in a way that I, I truly didn't anticipate at the time, but had I sat down and drank a case of beer with you, I probably would have said something different, you know? Well, and you should, and you should be proud of me. I've gone all the way to Tennessee this year. My goodness. But it was only, it wasn't for the listener. It was for your own benefit. It was to sell some turkey calls and things. No, it was to shoot a turkey in the face. I got a film missing too. Oh my gosh. So I missed, I missed twice this year. And then I, I hit one and it was just a bad, bad deal. Um, the hit was on on film, but it's like, I don't know. You want to talk about the world's worst, like bow hunter? Like that was a <laughs> that was the art. Like you you had to be real. But it, I think it goes to like, you know, when you say like, oh, I can kill turkeys consistently. Like I got three. I got drawn back. I got three shots on turkeys. Um, no blind. Uh, Two of That's them. That's crazy good, dude. That's awesome. Uh, no, just just one of them was on public. Um, I called in for my buddy that had a gun, uh, a turkey that someone else killed, mm-hmm. um, right out from in front of us. That was fun. Um, and so it's like I'm at the point with turkeys. Like I, when you talk about turkeys, and you're like, "Well, I got this mentor, and I take these notes, and I do all this stuff," and mm-hmm. I'm like, "And I just there's just a lot of turkeys up here, so." It's not, I mean, it is, I guess, hard, but it, every time I go out, it just reiterates the fact that like, I'm not as bad of a turkey hunter as I I would say. Sure. Um, I'm just, I'm just terrible at shooting them with a bow is all. Cause I get I think most people are, I think most people are really terrible at shooting with the bow. In fact, I, I, I would not, and this isn't like a judgment. I will not pick up the bow to shoot a turkey. I just don't. I don't have the confidence in that equipment. Like there's sometimes there's multiple tools for a job. And for me, I am firmly of the mind that you should use a shotgun for turkeys. And, and even that has its error margin for error. But I think what's most impressive is, you know, Chuck from our Patreon group flew down from PA for a turkey hunt and they killed four, four birds on opening day in South Florida, down in yeah South Florida. And so it was one of those situations where, you know, PA is really heavily pressured for turkeys, according to Chuck, and that that heavily pressure ch- kind of transferred. Um, I was I, I love this like animosity that happened in the group where all the Florida guys are like, let's see if Chuck can come down here and kill and kill a bird, let alone calling in for to die opening day, you know, with him and his and his hunting partner. And so um, some guys are naturally talented at turkey hunting. It sounds like you might be it. No, I just I have a I mean moniker wise like you have like a mentor you're like oh this mm-hmm. is my mentor this is the guy that i lean on like if you were to come up here and have a case of beer with me um you'd get to meet my father-in-law uh the the you know the the heavily touted uncle frank and uh you know he's he's at tack he's he's doing the stuff i mean dude's 70 71 years old and uh he shot and he shot knock on with us this year and he shot Sitka um at Tack and he drank beer and maybe ate some cookies and did some things. And uh just, you know, there there's no quarter. 
Like it's, he's, he's hilarious, but he's killed a ton of deer, but he, he used to, you know, he hunted turkeys in Michigan when there was no turkeys in Michigan, when you had to travel around and find them. And he used to call um, at the shows um, and do demos on turkey calling. So, you know, I never hunted a turkey a day in my life until I was maybe 20 years old. And uh, it was just going and sitting in front of Frank and letting him call in these turkeys for me. Mm-hmm. And, but I learned a lot just being being around. And so when people talk about turkey hunting being hard, like I can say like, oh, yeah, I'm a terrible caller. But then I hear here's some other people call turkeys and I'm like, I measure myself against Frank as a mm-hmm. as a caller, not against like the guy that picks up the mouth call and yeah. like, yeah. no. Um, so for me, but one of the things that you were talking about with that animosity and uh in the South Florida and the in the in the pressure, um there's a dude, I don't even know. I, I I'm pretty sure you listened to the podcast just strictly because it was a Florida guy. Um, but there was a dude in somewhere in Florida. He came onto one of the Michigan pages and was like, Hey, I'm from Florida. I'm coming up to Michigan to hunt with a buddy at his family camp. It's going to be all public. I have no idea like what the terrain is like, what anything's like. And uh, so I just on social media, like I don't mess around with people like on their, like if you ask a question in a forum or like something like the the worst one is what's the best saddle. But then like all these dudes mm. just get in the comments and like, I've sat in this saddle. I bought this saddle. I spent $300 on the saddle. It's the best saddle ever. Um, but they don't have any experience. So I don't, I, I just message people like straight away. And then if they message me back, then I'll start a dialogue with them. And so I, I did that with this guy and I kind of gave him, like some, he was asking the right questions, you know, like what's the food source going to be? What's train like, what, you know, what's it going to be? Well, I, I didn't really think too much of it. And dude, like literally ta- I'm at work. I'm like getting ready to open. Um, and I get a text. He's like, I just shot the biggest buck of my life. And I don't know what, what to do. He's like, I don't know who to call. I don't have anybody. <laughs> so he like, I'm messaging back and forth with this dude, like in real time, like just shot the biggest buck of his life. And it was a slammer. I mean, I don't know what it, it it was. It was Pope and Young. Um, It was really wide, really nice buck. Um, Crazy track job. But he's saying, what do I do? You know, look back. What do I, you know, what I'm like, just calm down. Just sit there. Like, how far are you from your buddy? You know, doing the whole thing from, you know, I'm a hundred miles away from him. He's, you know, I don't know how far it is. Thousand miles from home. Like Mm -hmm. that's no, nothing to do. Um, but he went back to their camp and him and his buddy from Florida killed the biggest bucks that they've ever killed in their camp up here in Michigan on public land in places where they're like, all oh, those aren't good spots, you know? So that when you said that about like the PA guys, and it, it just reminded me of that, where that whole camp was like, oh, let's see what these Florida guys got, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you ever traveled outside of the. I mean, I guess what do they? What would it be like north of the Mason Dixon? I guess that's um, a haul for me. That's that's <laughs> I better won the lottery uh, for that kind of expenditures. Yeah, I mean, do you gotta like with your kin? Do you gotta like you know get permission <laughs> something? Uh, yeah, well, the warden the warden has me on a tight leash, so you know there's there's that. But <laughs> you know, the good news is the good news is you'll probably never see me in Michigan for deer, but I'm planning a, a Midwest tour for turkey that include Ohio, Michigan, and Wisconsin. So 
pretty good chance that uh, you'll see a red bearded hobbit just sneaking through the woods. I've seen them. <laughs> Have you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I mean, I think I think that there are great outdoorsmen in every part of the state or country, rather. Um, I think that there are certain areas that tend to cultivate better deer hunters quicker quicker not like overall but just quicker it's like look at jake bush cutting his teeth in in new york right i mean he uprooted his life that's where he's from right is it new york or yeah yeah okay. new york the, yeah and so not known for fantastic deer hunting or maybe even good deer hunting and uh uproots himself goes to ohio and immediately the the hard work you know translates and so there, there's a certain formula where there has to be opportunity and hard work can 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 match one another but I think what I found is that in every part of this country, there are terrific outdoorsmen. I mean, just remarkably good ones. And they're all willing, mostly willing to share information if asked the right questions, right? I mean, varying degrees of reluctance, but I've never been able to not pry open the door and get good information from anybody. So uh, back to the Jake Bush thing, just yeah. just from that saying like, okay, well, to go to go from New York to uh Ohio and like crack the code. So do you, and I don't know what the like overall like redneck country boy, farm boy stuff that we've got up here, like where I live um, culture is for around deer hunting. Right. So for us around here, it isn't, it is not out of the realm of possibility to go over to somebody's house and, or like any of your buddies or their buddies, like to see people sharing pictures of these deer and you're like, Oh yeah, that's a good deer. And like, Oh, he shot it in Kansas. And then like takes it down a peg. Like, mm -hmm. Oh, that, that one's from Ohio. That guy, he hunts Indiana. Like, Oh, that's from Elise. Like for us here, and I mean, maybe this is just the way that you view the Midwest, but I don't know like what your experience is with like people that you actually know or like the circles that you run in that, and I'm not talking like, I understand like that you're a, a young buck. Right. Uh, but like at my age, like people are like, they really talked and they like really met them. It wasn't this online stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so like, these are people that you, like, that, you know, that you see, you, maybe, you know, where they hunt, maybe, you know, how they hunt. Um, and you see these guys and they, they kill deer and you're like, oh, well they go to Kansas every year because that's where the big bucks are. You know, like my brother hunts South Dakota, like my brother hunts, um, a bunch of public land here, uh, rather uh, private land here. And so he'll kill a good buck and he's always got like prime access to private land and then he'll go south dakota and kill a big buck on on public but completely different but around here he doesn't hunt public and i think that there's a balance of like efficiency like oh my time is worth money so i i'm not going to spend all this time chasing deer that may or may not be there or whatever um but like from from like your perspective like where you live and in the circles mm -hmm. and the way you grew up like was that like a thing like all oh, these guys, they don't kill anything here. Maybe they'll kill a deer with a gun or whatever, but they always go to Kansas or they always go to, you know, Ohio or, or, or wherever, West Virginia. 
and kill big bucks or bigger bucks, just a different, different style of buck. Cause for us in Michigan, like that's, that's a normal, like regular everyday thing. Yeah, no, all the time. When we would go, when I was growing up, you know, your your ring of influence was smaller because of the lack of social media. But you know, you had guys that would travel from Southeast Georgia to Kentucky to Indiana to Iowa to Illinois, and at that time, the world felt like a, a huge place, right? These were like huge. You had to order a, a flyer to get to your house, so you knew what the regulations were. You know, you had to, you know, there was no on X, so there was the am I even trespassing component to it? But um, yeah, the same guys that would shoot rinky dink looking bucks in southeast georgia would go out off to these these places and and it, it wasn't growing up that it was easier the, the the difference was there was just like an acknowledgement that there was just more opportunity which is i think why i said it the way i did earlier was i just feel like the the quantity the volume of opportunity in some of these places is just higher and so luck is when hard work meets opportunity right and so that's thomas jefferson's famous quote is i'm a great believer in luck and i find that the harder i work the more of it i find right just it's it's the combination of those two things together and so when i think about kansas when i think about indiana iowa kentucky places like that i just see opportunity you know there's just a different caliber of deer there but i i definitely am of of the mindset like first off i'm the guy that's going to go to missouri for the first time probably the first two or three times and just wax an 80 to 100 inch deer and i'm gonna look like i just shot the hansen buck i'm just gonna be like losing my gourd man so i i really don't care but you definitely see it you think so i think what like you honestly think so so what's the biggest deer that you've ever killed or what's okay so what's the biggest deer that you've ever killed and then what's the biggest deer that you've ever seen like on the hoof so that's my biggest my, my PB up there. Um, I've measured it twice, and I've gotten two two measurements between eighty four and ninety eight inches. Um, I don't know much about it, but I would say he is thirteen and a half to fourteen inches wide. His G twos are approximately eight inches. His G threes are six or so, and you've probably got a main beam of fifteen to twenty inches. Um, if that walks out, I'm probably going to, I'm probably going to wax it. Now, the only thing that, that might save me from this, and this is what I've heard a lot lately is that the the body size of the deer is so much bigger that the racks look smaller and that you're looking at a deer and you're like, wow, he's a really big body with not that impressive of a rack. And then somebody shoots it and they're like, oh, it was a hundred inch deer. And it just, there's this, this difference there in size and scale. But I also just don't care. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, Adam. I don't care about I, – I aspire for big bucks. I'm that guy that every summer makes the the commitment to only shooting big deer. And by the third week of the season, if it's brown, it's down, and I'm just mowing it down. Last year was the first year that I didn't just kill everything that walked out. And you can ask Brett and you can ask Craig. Uh, they're probably chuckling right now. I passed my first buck this year. He was a forky. And I swear to you, I – almost ended my relationship with brett for encouraging me to pass deer i was so sick to my stomach i wanted to like just cry and i passed like five does at 17 yards in october no early november and every time i'm just like oh i'm just gonna kill this deer i'm just gonna kill this deer i'm like no i'm gonna wait and i'm gonna stop it the deer walked by and the big buck didn't come out until after shooting light and i was so angry the whole way home it pushed me to do something more and this year i think i'm gonna strive for racked bucks or better and try and let some of the smaller deer go but i just i don't care 
Like, I just enjoy the whole process, man. I'm along for the ride. But the second part of that question was, what is the biggest deer that you've ever seen on the hoof? Like, if you were to... Conservatively, if, if you were to guess. 120 yeah. inches. Okay. And so, like, how did that make you feel? It was last year, and... And it was a forky, and Brett was like, "No, let him no, go, man." <laughs> no, it was it was a, a mainframe eight. He was huge. Um, I actually almost shot that deer. I just the wind shifted for the only time that evening, and he caught it and took off. Well, walked off. He didn't take off, but I felt exuberant, and I was really excited to see hard work again. I got went out and got a mentor. I got Brett to help me find these deer, right? Like the area that I found, I found it. He broke it down and told me why it was a good spot. So I stumbled onto something, but I didn't know why I had what I had. I thought I did. And then he came in and really confirmed a lot and taught me other things. So I was elated. And I think about that buck to this day. I was actually talking in the polo group today about how much I think about that buck as the buck that got away because I did everything right. And just luck, the ball bounced the wrong way. Um, so dude, I feel excited enough about it to make that a full-time thing. I don't know yet. Because like I I'm in the same bow. I mean, I've I'm, I'm the world's worst bowhunter, right? I've mm-hmm. I've made every mistake. I've done everything wrong, but I've I've been fortunate that I've 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 killed one good buck and I've I've uh, had some really good hunts here in Michigan and I've killed some some deer that I'm 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 happy with and I'm proud of here here in Michigan. Uh but the but the numbers aren't there. They're not staggering. Um however, uh like I passed a deer in Missouri that I probably shouldn't have passed. I mean, it was a hundred inch deer, but like it wasn't why I went there. And then I passed um a deer this year, this past year in Ohio that will probably score about like the one Maybe maybe a little smaller than the deer behind you, just because it didn't have as many many points, but it was wider and longer tines, and you know I was like, oh, that's a nice eight point, but it was a spindly rack and a little buck, and I mean it was like all but the last day. It was the last day, I think, and it just wasn't there. Um, just wasn't wasn't why I went down there, and uh, the the one in Missouri, um, maybe I should have shot, but. It, it wasn't like the scenario wasn't right. And, and, and as a matter of fact, I passed a buck in, I was at full draw on a buck uh, in Wisconsin. And it was the smallest eight point that I've ever seen, like really chasing does. I mean, he went by me at a hundred miles an hour and I got up and I was like, oh my God, that was so cool. And then I was like, man, I wonder if I would have shot him. He was small as the last day. Like mm-hmm. that was a super fun hunt. Now it's like, well, if he comes back, you know, and then what does he do? He chases them, does, and I was at full draw, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't. He was just too small, and it wasn't like all of the things didn't line up for me, like what I went there for. I got out of it what I went there for. I went there to see if never having set foot. I didn't even know that that WMA existed until i drove through the night got to where i was going took a nap woke up and i looked i said what's the biggest piece of property that's near me i drove over there scouted around seen a pope and young buck that night and it was where i should have sat like i was like i need to be there i was like no i heard this one of the guys that i talked to on the podcast he said just look for this and so i found that and 
no sooner did I get set up and this buck chases the doe right past me. And then the next day was that day I seen, I think I seen three different bucks and I had that one run by me, but I seen a slammer buck um, down like now, like in hindsight, looking at the way everything laid out, that's where I should have been just because it was tighter to cover. Um, but I drove, you know, basically 10 hours for five sits and that was, that was my hunt. And I went there and I found the deer immediately, you know, just, just on my own doing the walk around and scout. And that to me was more about like what that hunt was all about than like killing something. And like, if you're going to throw out quotes and all that stuff, I don't know who this quote is attributed to, but it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite as it comes to, um, trail cameras. Um, because I think I enjoy not knowing, uh, because I really look at, uh, comparison is the thief of joy. Right. And so if we say, well, maybe there's a bigger one or that's, you know, are you going to be excited when you shoot that deer? Mm -hmm. I mean, this little six point behind, behind me there. Um, I shot that deer. I missed a really nice eight point, um, in the morning, both of my brothers killed deer. Um, one, my, my brother was in South Dakota. He killed a deer that morning. My brother who doesn't hunt was hunting with me, killed a deer with a bow that morning. And I missed, um, and this little doinker that I jumped up on my way to the stand, because as we were talking about earlier, um, we got up an hour late cause we missed the time change. Cause we were in freaking the black hole of <laughs> time zones. Um, uh, but I killed that buck that night. So we all three killed on the same day, which we hadn't done with a gun in 30 years in the same camp. And here we kill mm -hmm. three different deer, all with archery equipment. For, and one of my brothers who's killed maybe a total of three deer uh, with archery equipment um, on the same day. And I wouldn't trade that buck for probably any of the other ones that I've shot, any of the other deer that I've shot just simply for that reason. Um, because it was like, I wasn't going to let, that deer go by and start, you know, steal that moment from me, you know? Sure. And it I, was, I guess, I guess it matters what your why is, right? Like to throw a Simon Sinek quote at you just to keep <laughs> on the quote train, by the way, uh, the comparison of the thief of all joy, that is uh squarely Teddy uh, Roosevelt. Um, but what's your why? Like when you go into the woods, like, what are you, what are you trying to get from it? And I think that's one of the things that like, I think maybe drives brett a little crazy about me is my why isn't to kill a big buck like my why is to document a grateful experience for whatever is thrown at me and of course i go out there with it with the goal to hopefully kill something but um i don't really care what that is i'm just i think i have this this uh spirit of gratitude to just be out there so that whatever gets thrown my way i'm gonna make something of it i i just don't Day in, day out, I don't care. There, there's a point in my career I'm hitting where I want to see if I can focus on a big buck. And if I can't, I'll just go back to killing smaller deer. I mean, like, it's not that big a deal. What's your why? And and does that change based on where you are? No, not at all. Um, but I but I have to ask you a question from from what you said, just just simply because uh I would never um I guess like characterize my hunting or a hunting experience um, for something that I was documenting. So like, where did that come from? Like I've always what, wanted to share my experiences since I was a child. I've always wanted to to share what I saw and what's out there. 
from like i guess so when did that start and uh, not from like the want but from the like capacity like were you because i mean you're probably born with a cell phone in your hand that had a camera on it so um you know uh you probably had an ipad like in your crib um and uh so so you know in my day like they were vhs camcorders that were like you know the size of like an air fryer i would say toaster oven but people would say what is that um (laughs) but but so when did that start from from that perspective and does it only because you do that that thing with the water and those the, the rods and the lines and things um but <laughs> i mean Fish. does it only apply to hunting or no, is it, no, it is doesn't. it just just for everything i so um my fortress of solitude is the outdoors um, my childhood was a tumultuous one where uh, the only stable thing I had in my life was the outdoors. And so I've gravitated to the outdoors both as a, a healing mechanism, as a recreational activity. Um, I grew up on in two different main areas, New Orleans, which is just, I mean, swamps galore with a father who was a biology major and just taught me this deep-seated appreciation for everything outdoors. And so – I moved to Southeast Georgia and I grew up on an 1800 acre island in the middle of a salt marsh and I was homeschooled and I was able to go and do whatever it is I wanted. And I remember watching these videos of Fred Bear and Will Primos and Ronnie uh, Cuz Strickland and, and all of these people and a couple people from out west. I can't even remember who they were. I can just see their faces. And I remember feeling so grateful that they took the time and the effort to document what they saw so that I could appreciate it and enjoy it. And I remember at a like a really young age thinking, I wish people could see what I saw, a peregrine falcon coming through and smacking a dove off a branch right next to me or a, a barred owl sweeping up and grabbing my arm thinking it's a tree branch, right? Like there was just all these like phenomenal or, or I remember this one time I'm in southeast Georgia and I'm watching a bobcat mother try and teach her three cubs how to or pups, whatever they're called. To how to how to hunt and i'm watching them in the in, in this interaction and, and there's just no way to document it and so i go home and i'm trying to articulate it and it, no one can see it and and i remember reading these books by robert rourke and and ernest hemingway on on hunting and i just remember this gratitude of these people taking the time to share their experiences so that i could appreciate them and i always had that spirit of wanting to share and it started i wanted to be an outdoor writer as a boy i desperately wanted to be an outdoor writer and then um you know the iphone comes out camcorders you know the sony handycam is now like a 500 hundred dollar camera and um i i have footage somewhere i saved it from 2005 my dad bought me a fujifilm digital camera so that i could take pictures outside and in the woods and i've got these like rehearsal skits where i'm in the ground blind And I'm trying to like figure out what it is I want to convey. And like I go too hard. I go like super douchey like here we are in the blind. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is so stupid. And I'm like, guys, it's beautiful out here. The the birds are talking. I'm like, well, that's too poetic. You went too hard. You got to find like this middle this middle ground. And so that that compulsion to take people out there, which is something I did a lot, was just constantly taking people into the outdoors. Even to this day, I oftentimes find myself sacrificing too much of a season, taking new people and then feeling at the tail end of the season, like, dang it, I didn't do anything for me. I just, I I, I only fed other people largely. And there's two parts of my personality there. 
Um, it's just always been there. I just want to share it. And when I had the chance to have a podcast and share those experiences, the original part of this, the original mission of this was to just talk about things that happened in the outdoors so that they could be documented so that my, my future kids could appreciate them. Maybe somebody who's going through a tough time can hear the story and reminisce about their childhood or something similar. And it's just kind of always been there, man. I would rather like, if you told me, Walter, you can go to the Midwest one time and you can see a 200 inch deer and get it on film, or you can shoot you know, like a quality piece of video, or you could shoot like a 120 the first day or a 140 or 160 the first day, I'd be almost tempted to try and capture on film that rarity and share it with people. There's just that component that's always been there. So that's interesting to me because I I feel uh, similarly, I guess, about the outdoors, just not as I mean, I don't know how politically correct your show is, but it was really like Bud Light rant you went on there. Um, but uh, it was very, um, you know, earthy, very hippie, very uh, homeschooled. I, what I said? Think. Yes. Yeah. So I, I feel like the same way, although I I don't ever think about it like – I mean, I, I, I guess I went through a phase there maybe where I wanted to like be able to video just so I could show people some of the cool stuff that I saw. Mm -hmm. Um, but for me, it was more about the, the second half of your, uh, diatribe there, which was like bringing people into the woods. Like for me, that was always the thing. It was like, I, I don't understand. Like when I would meet somebody that like didn't hunt or like didn't, and, and and like I grew up rifle hunting, and now now we don't do much of that at all. Um, Elitist. Uh, you, you call it what you will. I mean, I would rather <laughs> I would rather suck at something that I uh, love than be mediocre at something that I find boring. Um, you know, for me, the rifle hunting thing is just like that go to your spot, like your spot. It's your thing. Um, and there's so many freaking hunters here in Michigan. And if, if you want to go on public land, like that, your spot thing is, is real. Um, and you, you talked about that, like with the Everglades and some of that, like mm -hmm. my family's, this is our quadrant or whatever. Um, but when I would run into somebody that didn't hunt or like, didn't ever go out in the woods and they like showed interest, I'm like, the same way that I do with a podcast, I just have like a bigger net, but it's like, dude, we got extra bows. We got extra stands. Like I got room. Like if you want to go, let's go. And, mm -hmm. you know, I've had, you know, I think probably three or four guys like take me up on it over the years. Um, and one of them is a, one of my buddies who's like super engrossed in, in hunting now. And it's, it's part of his like life. Um, one of them is like legit hippie like but he grew up with the with a rifle and you know i put him on his first deer and he killed a nice little five point and it was the coolest thing just that it played out like exactly the way that we told him but we didn't say here's a ladder stand go climb there here's a piece of property that is private that you've never been on before it's dark. 
Uh, he got what I got from my uncle or my uncle, my father-in-law, uncle Frank there. Go down there. The There's going to be a dip. It's going to start to go get halfway up that hill, find a tree. You got to climb around your back, climb up and, and do it. And when, when he retells the story, it's so cool because everything that we told him like pretty much happened. Mm-hmm. but he he's we're like you know when deer like look up at you and they go like Ugh! and they know that they 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 see he's like deer don't do that deer don't look up and they don't do that and he goes that deer came in he goes i got to full draw and it it looked at me like that and he goes holy shit they do do that <laughs> you know um but he killed that deer and and he had tracked a deer with me earlier in the year that i'd shot and so he learned at that point because he's used to just shooting them with a gun, like they either die or, you know, you missed them pretty much. And so he's like, he, he got to track some of it on his own before he lost blood. And then he had to wait for us and, you know, just, just so cool. But to be able to share that sort of thing. And it's funny the the deer that's behind me, the, the bigger one there, I shot that deer hunting by myself. Um, and I had to call John and, and Frank and Ernie were out of town and, you know, they, they talked me down off the limb and I went and found the deer. And I mean, I all but got him on film falling over, but it just wasn't like picture perfect. It wasn't Heartland bow hunter by, by any means. If you listen yeah. to my podcast, I shoot him in the neck. Like that's my, like it, I prefer the collarbone shot um, on a quartering two deer. That's usually looking up at me. Um, so like, I don't think I've lost one that like that. that. That that's not the reason that I'm the worst. Uh so it's an effective uh shot placement. But but anyways, I found that deer. And then I had to wait for John to get there and everything like that. And like I think some people have that like solace. Like they want to sit there and enjoy the animal and take in the moment. And like that ain't me, man. I wanna high five and like that was what was so cool about our Patreon hunt was there was guys that had never killed a deer. There's guys that had never shot at a deer there's guys that never seen a deer um and definitely guys that never tracked a deer got to like see somebody like the the excitement that comes from like knowing that somebody's got deer down in camp or the anticipation that like even though your hunt may be over everybody's not back yet so there's still a chance you know so shooting that deer out there by myself it was like well, now it's over. Like mm-hmm. the, it's not the adrenaline dump and it's not the like, Oh my God, look how great a hunter I am. It's like, well, the hunting is the fun part. Like in the sharing it with people is the ultimate, the, the killing or whatever is like, just, I, I guess like the end and everything is a, a means to the end. But I mean, maybe the killing is the means to, the ultimate end of being able to share that experience with, with the people that are around you. And so when you do that stuff by yourself, it was like big old letdown, you know, like, Oh, great. Like there's nobody to share with. And it's not a social media thing where it's like, Oh, look at this deer. I killed like, not at all. Like it's, it's about the high fives and it's about the, yeah. the like, you know, we did it. We did it. Like we, you know, we got one, like, even if, you know, it was, you know, Didn't the play group. Any role besides walking in and taking yeah. photos of you, you know? Yeah. 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 But, I, but I think that's, that's a core tenet though, to sharing a story. 
there has to be someone to share it with, whether it's in that moment or, or down, down the road, like there's a communal part to sharing a story. I mean, dude, we've been doing this for millennia. Look at all the cave drawings that are on the side of the wall, right? Somebody felt compared to share that story and make sure it was there for somebody to see. And so, I mean, original social media, the original social media. And, and it's just, I think it's, I think it's, a you think his buddies were like douchebag. Like, look at this douchebag writing about his deer on the wall. Like, I've thought about that before. Yeah. And, and like, like, imagine, so the rack on the thing was like this, right? What if it was like this, right? And, and the whole time the guy's writing, he's like, they're never going to know it was a forky, you know? Like, <laughs> and 2,000 years later, we're like, wow, this guy was killer. He had all these dead bodies around him. And he was he was the camp chef. He didn't actually kill any of that. Yeah, yeah they're all ribs. There's no heads or you know antlers. There's none of that. Like, but man, look at all these bones. <laughs> Must have used the antlers for uh, weaponry or arrowheads. Something. Arrowheads, yeah. <laughs> Fish Sorry, hooks. you were gonna say something really like nice and earthy. Oh, I don't know. I think I think I think we've uh, I think we've tapped out the audiences. Uh, but but community, it, it really boils down to that, and I think that's the that's the best thing that's happened about the Patreon groups for both of us is that has just been a constant community where all of that gets shared, man. I mean, we had the pay, we have the Patreon deer hunts every year and well, we have past couple of years, I should say, but you know, we, we had the Patreon deer hunts and some of the most memorable stories don't have anything to do with a kill, you know? And so that I was, I knew where I was going with this now was, you know, you said, you know, maybe that's a means to the end of the story. Maybe I think the experience is the means. The, the the what the occurrence right the rarity of that occurrence the infrequency of the occurrence occurrence what whatever that 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 occurred there and then the personality telling the story you ever met somebody who's got great stories but his delivery sucks I mean like that's a part of it too and so being surrounded by personalities who can really sh- share those stories um, I think that's a huge part of it man I think that's one of the, I think and so I think that's one of the reasons why the Patreon group is one of my proudest things I've ever done it's just it feels like I connected people unintentionally like i didn't wake up and say i'm going to do this but i connected people unintentionally and they've got best friends for life they've got stories with well and i think in you know uh, obviously obviously from my um little banter here like i have a different um like take on things or like a different uh delivery i guess or uh, but i think the way that the the universe is going like you don't really ever know, like, I guess people are like somewhat afraid to be themselves mm-hmm. um, and they're uh, afraid to be vulnerable also. And so to f- find like a, a, oh my God, a, a safe space uh, to be able to be, you, to you know, <laughs> um, but I mean, think about that from my perspective, you know, everybody, you know, that's a, that's a thing like people will, uh, find out about the show or reach out to me or like just stumble upon something and they're like dude i'm coming for your world's worst bow hunter spot like you don't know all the things that i've done like and it's just a very disarming you know mm-hmm. instead of like oh look at me um it's like look at all the dumb shit that i've done mm-hmm. and look at look at me be able to say like i'll tell you what i the first year that i killed on video was like this dumb little four point it's a spike with brow tines um and i had the mentality of like i'm gonna kill anything that i get the opportunity to on video but i really don't want to shoot a spike 
or like a, a small buck, um, you know, cause you just like set up and you're like, Oh, you know, first doe, first fawn first, you know, I don't care. It's got milk on its lips. I'm going to shoot it. Um, and then this is the deer that walks in and I was like, I'm so struggling. Like, Oh my God, do I shoot it? Do I not? And I'm like, why do we bring all this gear out here? And why do we try to do this? How can I tell, you know, John or Ernie or Frank, you know, to try to like shoot something on film. They shoot stuff all the time. They don't shoot anything on film. And then here I am having the opportunity, like chip shot and not do it. So I'm like, all right, full send. But me like taking pictures with that deer, sharing that story, putting that video out on YouTube, like the amount of people that reached out to me and said, like, thank you. Thank you for having fun and, you know, getting excited just for killing the deer. And it didn't matter what it was. Um, I don't really think I took any like heat from that, but like, not that it matters because that isn't, that isn't, but that isn't me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Like I'm trying to kill like bigger deer and I passed more bucks last year than I've passed, like probably in my entire career, like total, probably double. Um, and that's not to say like, Oh, look at me. But it it's kind of like that. What are you doing it for? Like, and I, you know, am I? Uh, I'm 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 saying okay. Well, I'm putting myself in these positions to kill these small bucks or whatever consistently. So, and you know, I knew not from like trail cam photos, but I knew from like actual eyes on that there were bigger deer around, and it was just going to take one little thing. I mean, last year on opening day, I saw 11 bucks and I (laughs) completely blew it on like three that were between 100 and 120 inches. Um, And I saw one that was easily 140. Um, And I just shit the bed. You know, I mean, it just absolutely did. Everything went perfectly to the plan, except for except for the guy sitting right here. Um, and it it was, it was comical, but it was fun because I put myself in a position to, I mean, I must've seen 30 deer or so, and, you know, lots of bucks, lots of, lots of activity. And that to me was a win. I mean, and then last year, I mean, from the opening day of our gun season, I hunted with a compound bow and the rest of the year. So November 16th through January 1st, I hunted with a longbow. Why? Because I'm good. No, because I'm an idiot. And I was like, well, what have I got to lose? You know, and I had already killed a doe. And uh, so I, I guess the I went to Ohio during that time and uh, brought the compound. But other than that, like just for me, it's about being out there, you know, but but to be like to share these failures, to be like, dude, I suck. That is is something that like once you can let people know that I'm not in this for me. Like it isn't like a look at me type thing. And as you say, like, however, however you feel about the way that I do things, but like, I'm pretty candid about like my experiences, my, I mean, I use my gear um, and I use a lot of gear and, and I'll tell you like what's good and what's not. Um, But you have to be able to, you have to have people around you that you can trust. And I think 
that's what's happening with these Patreon groups is you're getting people and, you know, people come in and they realize, oh, that's not for me or whatever. And they, you know, they're there for a minute and they're like, oh, it's not what I was looking for. I thought this was going to be all the big buck killers and all this stuff. And uh, but the people that stick around, those are the ones that are just busting balls and having fun. And they've got their their deer camp year round. Like yeah. they've got this group of guys that, you know, half of them had never met each other. They live, you know, worlds apart, but they can still share experiences, learn from each other and, you know, be vulnerable or whatever. Like there's, there was a point, I don't know if it was last year, or year after that, or the year before that, whatever. Like it was like a therapy group. It was like, it was like all this bad shit's going on in our lives and all this stuff. And, yeah. you know, you don't have anybody to talk to about it. And, you know, I think from your perspective, like you're saying, okay, well, it's cool. You know, I I really feel accomplished that I brought these people together. But like, uh, I think it's almost like it's bigger than you. You know what I mean? It's just mm -hmm. like we are allowed to do this. Like what what a cool what a cool thing that we've we've gotten to do. Like we 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 got to do this. Like every time you think about like, oh, man. I missed another week of the podcast. Like, oh, I have to do this podcast with Adam because I'm quitting my podcasting career and <laughs> hanging up the microphone. Um, God dang it. Like, you got to remember that, you know, there's, there, you're impacting people yeah. uh, by just having these conversations, right? No, and I think, I think, I think that I've, I've, tried at least i don't think i've ever lost sight of how much you and i impact people's lives there's 130 or so people who listen to my show every week that you know they they are there deliberately listening to hear what you and i have decided to say you know and those words matter and what we say influences the direction of the community however small however large we we, we leave an influence um i'm grateful for that opportunity I, I mean, I think I probably speak for both of us. I feel very unworthy to be in that position many days. And I think very careful, carefully about what I say because if I speak recklessly or I act recklessly, it has negative impacts. Um, I wish there were more people who had that grateful mindset as well in this community who have platforms because I feel like there's a lot of people who've lost perspective of what impact they're having. Um and I think we have to kind of question a lot of people's motives. I won't go too far down that path because it sounds like I'm airing out, airing dirty laundry. But I do, I do question the motives of a lot of the people who are in this space. And it's one of the reasons why I respect you as much as I do is because I've never once had to question your motives. It feels like every time, at every step of the way, every juncture of the way, all the short hobbit jokes and the de deprecating jokes regarding my inability to, uh, you know, go out west and go up north and do stuff. Um, I've never questioned your why. In a, in, well, a, in, a, in, a, in a in a realm of I really ask the question a lot for others. Well, I mean, it's a, it's obvious. I have like nine thousand sponsors, and uh, it, like it four, is four thousand of them right there on that table. I think a, a lot of those are people that just quit paying us, but I just haven't moved the <laughs> stuff around. Um, but uh, it, it it you know that's what it's it's all about the money. Um, that's the thing. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, it. But I, I mean, I do, I, I feel, I mean, that's, that's, that's the reason I do the stuff that I do with like the sponsors, like, is because 
I want to be able to, to do all the stuff, um, uh, unfettered and to be able to like, to be able to give things back to the people that support the show, to people that listen. Um, and then like, there's just, you can only have so much gear. Um, I want to be able to really try it, really test it out. But then like, uh, one of our listeners, like was going through his gear, getting ready. And he's like, I lost my tether. And he's like, well, do you have an extra one so that like, maybe I could buy it from you? I'm like, dude, I'll just send you a tether. Like I have, I, I've actually gotten rid of a couple saddles, but I think I have like 10 or 11 saddles. And so that's been really fun is like sending them around the country for people to try because people, I mean, now we're getting the mobile hunting expo. We're getting like, you know, these, these different events that aren't sponsored. And and we did a tethered teaching train here at our club. Mm-hmm. Um, and I brought every single saddle that I had. And then I sent those saddles uh, with the tethered representative uh, to New York to do one there too so that you could sit in every single saddle um or you know the majority of them you could get a feel for for just about everything um that's out there but yeah some of them i got for free but i bought a lot of them and you just can't do that like i mean you can if your wife doesn't track your expenses or whatever but you know you just can't do that without like some of the support so i mean yeah we've got sponsors but what's ended up happening is a lot of them have just been our friends um, that started coming up at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, Hey, we, we want to bring you up. We, you know, we want to help you out. It's like, well, how do I take money from someone that I don't have a relationship with? And then I'm going to tell my friends like, nah, I got to make sure that I'm, mm-hmm. you know, every it's always a yes, you know, I'll help you out for, for whatever. And even one of our other sponsors uh, that we're not working with, from last year, a local company like reached out with me. They're doing like this huge giveaway and they're like, Hey, do you want to, we help us support this? Um, like, yeah, of course. Like, I, I feel like, you know, and it's, it, it, I hope, um, that you've, uh, uh, like matured in the last five years, yeah, me too. but, but, <laughs> But my answer is pretty much, I mean, unless I get like the wrong, like vibe from somebody and, and maybe you got a bad vibe from me, but it, my answer is always yes. Like I'll help you do whatever I, I, because it, like, if you want to try something, I got it. Like either if you're local, like, come on, if, if not, I'll send it to you. It doesn't matter. Um, because that's going to be the biggest, like a, like advertising for our show. Like, Hey, this is a real guy. Like who else sends can you send was just going to send this to you and if i send you something you're going to show all your hunting buddies and you're going to be like yeah where did you, they're going to be like where did you get this like he just sent it to you for free like well, you got to send it back and he's like yeah i guess like whenever but to me that's like if i can help somebody how, how many how many yeah i don't even have one i don't even have a chasing tails koozie um i don't even know that they i don't even know that they exist they're not you want to know what i'll you need that's a classic right there the uh uncle frank sticker um but what i was saying is like the answer is always yes like if we can help somebody whether it's in the woods or you know just a just a phone call or 
you know, and I think that that's part of the Patreon group too, is that, you know, you're always, it makes you available, um, you know, and, and there's people that are really afraid to ask questions on a forum. There's really got people that are afraid to ask, um, you know, in person, but, you know, through this veil of social media and like, now you can say, okay, well, this is a real, real guy, real thing. Um, that's the easiest part about doing all this. And, you know, obviously my why is to have more gear than anybody ever needs. So if there's any companies out there that are listening that want to sponsor our show, <laughs> I could use, I got one spot like on the middle of my back, like on the tramp stamp, like portion of my pack um, that, you know, that's up for sale. Yeah, just just know you're going to be donating a lot of free gear. Uh, you have to get in on their monthly giveaways. Um, you have to make sure that uh, you are buying ad spots adjacent to the competitors uh, on the podcast. Uh, they will mention you and your competitor in the same ad. Now, nah, dude, I love it, man. I, I said to you the other day, I feel like you're the guy that a, a company would would lock you down but in your terms and conditions it's like i can be painfully honest and you'd be the guy that'd be like hey this this podcast brought to you by ford and somebody's gonna be like what's your favorite ford you're gonna be like not not the ranger that thing is a piece of shit and everybody's gonna be like whoa did he just say that about ford and i was like i don't care like i didn't say that about ford away. i said that about the ranger <laughs> um and, and you know i i <laughs> i didn't i didn't ask uh, uh about it but <laughs> Uh, did you see my last podcast that we did? No. <laughs> what was your last podcast? Um, on, it was sub to your podcast. Let me go sub again. Hang on. Um, yeah, thanks. Um, <laughs> it was uh, what's yours chasing trash again? Um, I can't remember. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I had Carl on. Trad gear. Yep. You, you see who is the mm -hmm. guy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if you want to talk about competitors, um, yeah, it, it doesn't get any bigger than that. And like, he's, he's still a guy. That I mean, I they're respect. not, they're not your competition because they make the best saddles, but I mean, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know latitude that they're our sponsor, <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but those other guys, <laughs> um, you know, they're, they're good guys. Yeah. And they're still, and that, and that's the thing is like, I've, I've done everything that I can do, um, to be, you know, friends and friendly and to be honest with everybody that I meet, especially, uh, in the space. And there's some really big names, um, that I just steer clear of because they're just slimy people. Yeah. And that I, I don't want to be associated with that. Um, and, and it's not from like a, a sponsor standpoint or whatever. It's like, I wouldn't even have them on as guests just because, I mean, there's, there's, I've had guests on that where I could, were just blatantly lying. And it's like, I won't endorse anything. I mean, I'll tell you that they make a good product, um, but they're terrible people and I won't buy any I've of that. Killed, I've killed two episodes because I caught people lying in the episodes. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's just, I don't know that that's, I would rather be honest to my own detriment than to be perceived as, uh, you, you know, 
something that I'm that I'm not or to be mm-hmm. associated with like, you know, people that don't have the same values that I align with. And um, and that comes to hunting, too. You know, uh, uh, we, we've got like Frank's hunting buddy, Ernie, you know, he told me long ago, he said hunting is a jealous man sport. And uh, I see a lot of that like in the industry. Um, yes. but that, but that's not me. And I think that that, when you say like, what's your, why, um, that's like a, a keeping well, up with Joneses. Uh, no, I don't have a, why we've had this <laughs> conversation. Walter would just used to, used to ask me about goals and he'd, we'd talk about goals and like, I could, I could pick apart and like micromanage his goals, um, because he had, his goals were too small. Um, Very. his, his goals were, um, I don't know if it was like uh imposter syndrome or it was like fear or if it was like what, but it wasn't like understanding like the breadth of scale. And so he would, he would always ask me like, what's your goal? It's always the same. Do you remember what my goals are? World domination. Yeah. And that's, it's extremely uh, arrogant. It is the world's worst bow hunter. It is completely disingenuous, but if I shoot for um, the best podcast in the world um, and I am like the number one downloaded by everyone uh, in Guam, right? Like, I mean, they got statues of me and Frank and John. Um, we are just living it up. We've greatly surpassed our mediocre goal of getting 500 more downloads this year, this month. Um because if you set low goals and that's, and that's part of my, my problem with hunting too. And uh, I don't know if we talked about this or whatever, but like, I'm, I'm changing that a little bit, but if you set low goals and you come up 80% short on a low goal, um, then you've nowhere near reached your potential. But if you shoot for the moon um, and you come up 80% short on a, if you say, well, for, for Walter, um, and I think this would apply to like just about, uh, 90% of, of, of any bow hunter and probably, you know, 99% of public land bow hunters. But if you were to say that I'm going to shoot, my goal is a Pope and young buck and whether it's attrition, um, family, uh, ground shrinkage, whatever you shoot that one Oh five, um, you're you're probably still going to be damn happy than if you just say, well, I just want to kill a forky or whatever. And then that spike walks out and you're like, well, he's close enough. Um, and, and, and I think that that's, that's kind of like where like my personal or like, I don't, I, I guess it would be like life goals are huge. Like my hunting goals are, like pale in comparison and I need to change that just because I need to not allow myself to, I need to not give myself such an out um, from, from that perspective. Like, because from a podcast standpoint, from a business standpoint, from a life standpoint, like it's easy. Like I don't, I don't understand like why people aren't happier or I mean, (laughs) Walter, I'm surprised that you haven't brought this up yet, but this was the only day that I worked this week um, in a, in a quote unquote full-time 
position. So, um, so, so from that standpoint, like that's probably what makes me happier, um, is that I have more time to, to not hate my life at work or, or wherever, uh, brings most people down, but I need to, uh, focus a little bit more and be a little bit more confident, like from a woods perspective, but the why I think, I think the ultimate irony in our relationship is that I have strove to create goals so that I could achieve something and keep something moving forward. Whereas, uh, I've, I have striven equally so to get you to set parameters so that you could thrive because every time I ask you what your why is and what direction you're going, you're like, Hey man, I'm just going to keep doing the thing. I'm going to keep giving stuff away and holy crap downloads just keep coming. And I'm like, dude, you have got the potential here to like dominate the world. Like you, you, you facetiously say every week. And so like, why don't you set those parameters? Um, It's always, it's always been, something that I laugh about, but I, I think a lot of times my goals were smaller because I lacked confidence in how far my model could go. Like how, what reach could I actually have with that? Right. Is there a, a world where people are going to be okay? Listen to a guy who is just grateful to shoot a four point. And I think that's like the, the antithesis antithesis of who I am. Right. So in, in one world, I'm like, hey, let's grow this podcast. Let's get this community grow- going, right? And the other side is like my goals are so modest on the hunting side of things, and I am so profoundly happy with them. I have never gone through a deer season and been like, man, I set all these goals, and I'm upset with where I landed, period, ever. As long as I put forth a good effort, as long as I I uh, went on an adventure and I had a good experience, I come out of there with a with a feeling of gratitude every time. So from from like that perspective, like where does the goal um I don't know, you seem kind of hippie, but there's this point where horsepower and torque meet on yep. the curve. And you can, yep. you know, you can be low end torque and, you know, low top speed or, you know, mm-hmm. horsepower, like, you know, whatever. So where does it all meet for you? Because I think that that, that for me is like why it isn't about, because of what we talked about earlier, because of what are the motives or like, where do people land? I, I think it's a hundred percent still has to be fun and it still has to be. Uh, I mean, we, t- we uh, the podcast we did uh, with Greg Litzinger um, for TAC, like, I spent the whole, we spent four days together, like, like a frat house in the house that we rented for TAC, didn't record a podcast, got a handful of, like, just shooting videos and, and things like that, but not, but zero, like, real, like, content to produce. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be the same if that was the why, if, if it was to, to show people, like, I think it's like, you have to be there. You got to be, I I tell Walter this all the time. It's like one of my favorite things for him because he's like, man, I just, I can't go to this thing. I can't. And it's like, I think it's a must be present to win. Like you, you have to be there. And I think maybe that's like a throwback to like 
before social media, like you had to have been there. And Mm -hmm. if it's, if it ends up that all we do is produce content for, to grow this thing or make it bigger, um, then we're not being true to why we did it in the first place. And like, however that, that shifts, like you got to keep that in mind that it isn't about the, this thing that we've created um, because this type of stuff for us, like uh, here in, in my camp here um, is very minusculely changed from when I called you up five years ago, we were doing all this shit anyways. And that's, that was literally the conversation when we started the podcast was like, we're doing all this stuff that, and we're having these conversations. Why don't we just record them? And it wasn't about like, there, there was a much grander, um, a much, a much deeper like thought process, like once we got into it, but but at the end of the day, like the root of it is like, we're doing this stuff anyway. So, so the fact of like trying to grow something, it doesn't matter. Like, do we have more opportunities now to, to hunt? Do, do we have more uh, time? Do we have more resources? Sure. Are we, are we letting somebody down because we're not going all in on content creation and selling our souls. And I don't mean that from a, I don't know what you mean for the listener. God damn. You've been doing this for a long time. <laughs> like we have to like put it in for the listener. This, that's it's all for the listener. You see, <laughs> <laughs> no wonder you're quitting. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but are we, are we just cheapening it? And I, I I feel like, and it's almost blasphemous to say, um, but I feel like that's kind of what people are saying or the vibe that's kind of coming out of a lot of the newer hunting public stuff, because it's different faces. It's, it's a different feel um, in the way that their content is because of you're missing the personalities. And so there's just more of the videos um, for videos sake. Or, you know, you know, it's like, well, we got this many downloads. So if we just scale it up and we can get more people to do more stuff, if we put out more content, then it, it, it cheapens it to a degree. Um, and I, and I, but I think that that's why, like, I don't look at it on a scale of like my model or my, like, I just want to hunt. And if I video it, I video it like I hate editing video. So like, it's gotta be something like prolific happened or like whatever. Um, um, the plan. And I, I did for you, uh, set goals today on like how things are going to progress. Um, so that I can try to be, uh, on point with this, but to kind of document it from a standpoint of like, we've been doing this long enough that I think people will enjoy seeing our process. Um, 
but not like I, I've I've really come to the realization that I don't think, and I've told you this before too, that people aren't going to come to my channel or to my podcast because of the deer that we kill. Um, it's because of Definitely. who we are. <laughs> it's but but it's because of who we are and how how we how we showcase it and how we handle that stuff. And man, I think as soon as you like there, I think that there's a very narrow plateau before the it becomes a like steep tipping point of like selling your soul. And that doesn't all that doesn't always have to be just from a uh a gear whore standpoint. Yeah, I think to your point about THP, I don't think that's the problem with THP. I think the problem with THP is uh the viewer in a lot of ways got emotionally attached to certain people and lost perspective of what THP was was doing. I mean, THP was never about those personalities. Were they entertaining? Absolutely. But they were more about a process. They were more about a community. They were more about going and doing things. And I, I think people are just resistant to change because generally speaking, that's just kind of who we are. Um, I watch those videos. Um, I do binge cycles for THP. I get burned out on THP and then they'll produce 2000 videos and right before deer season or throughout deer season, when I can't get out there, I'll binge them again. I don't get that vibe at all. I think they've done an excellent job of grabbing very similar personalities. I just think, um, that homegrown feel to it of a startup has been lost. And I think that just is change. It just looks different. But I think, I think when you're soul searching, uh, if you'll allow me to be a little more hippie for a longer, you did a great job there, by the way, you really like, I felt you become vulnerable there for a minute. Um, but I think if what you do impacts your why, then that's the tipping point. If, if your why is to continue to do what you've been doing, documenting it as best you can as you go so that you retain what you've been doing, but just doing more of it, then you're sustainable. If you, if you leave the why with the what and the how, then, then you've, you've lost that, that sustainability component and the why should have been driving everything. You know, that's why I said what I said earlier, like, what is your why? My why is to, uh, it's community centric. I feel like there's a space and a need for a community in this, in this, in this, uh, air arena of life. And so, you know, I feel like through what and how I've got other areas to contribute that I could ramp up the volume, the production of, and people can benefit in that why can benefit from it. Um, if putting a camera and focusing on having a camera documenting more of tech took away from your experience and your experience recounting that on the podcast is what the listener is looking for. Well, there's your tipping point. You, you've 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 lost perspective of what your why was by trying to do more of something that wasn't fulfilling of the why i feel like you're you're losing a lot of listeners i I don't know what those are i I mean i think that well yeah but i was gonna say i think they're all like pronouns like how and why and who (laughs) like it's like jesus like that's that's and i don't it's funny because i don't mean that in like the liberal way i mean that like in like the english language type way Like, cause I was like, it's not a noun. It's not a verb. It's not an adjective. Um, so it's gotta be one of those other fill-ins, but, <laughs> but no, uh, but I think uh, from the THP standpoint, I think that, I think that the, the idea of 
you're right. I think I think there was a, a personal attachment, but I also think that that kind of goes along with like one of the knocks. Like for anyone, especially like through the the first few years of THP, like the only knock on the 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 THP haters, they were like, well, they're just killing two year olds. They're just killing small bucks. You know, they're just killing. Well, but it it isn't. You can you can say that however you want to. People have different goals, and and everybody is a internet commando, right? So you know again show me um but what i mean is is like that's that's kind of like how our platform is built right for for us here like when i started like i knew that we needed to do we needed to have an audio that you could listen to and you were gonna like our personalities or you weren't um it wasn't because of the how we weren't killing two-year-olds so that wasn't the you know, mm-hmm. you weren't you weren't going to hate us for that. I'll tell you what, you'd high five me for that uh, in our circle. Uh, but that's what it was, is that you got to see the personalities and the difference, the differing personalities and all that. There was something something for everyone. And I think they did an excellent job with like Jake and Ted and bringing them on slowly from like the intern standpoint and they didn't just like chuck them in there, you know, and I feel like that's kind of what's happened. And I, I, I just feel like that is where, I mean, Ooh, I wonder, I wonder if, uh, you know, going back to what you said right at the beginning where you're like, you know, closing this thing down going out of business sale and how that is a visceral feeling, how that is a very, uh gut punchy uh type type thing to say for you like at this moment um is like wh- where does that like what's the exit strategy you know so like for me to think about that and so for like those guys it's like well if we br- if we can probably bring in these other guys we got a lot going on in our lives we can still do this and this and this and then we can have these guys they do a great job they're they're doing the the model that we set in place uh, by inspiring people to go out on public land and doing all the same things. Um, But it just isn't maybe as endearing or it wasn't explained. So now it's just kind of like, who the hell is this guy? If you, you are one of the casual watchers who's like, okay, so it's the, it's the thumbnail. It's the pop-up that says hunting public and a good tagline. And then it's, you know, who are these jokers out there shooting these deer, turkeys or whatever? So what is the, what is the exit strategy? Like, how long does it go on? How do you, how do you make that decision to like close up shop? So you're fishing because there's a lot of ways I could answer this, (laughs) but it gives away a lot of stuff that's to come, but that's why I do this. That's why I know. I'm good. I know. I think I think the exit strategy is to be revealed. And I think that I'm going to leave it at that. I'm going to take the cheap answer out of it. I will say that I feel like the reason why I do this will continue to persist in a different format for people to to enjoy. And I think briefly to go back to what you said about THP, 
the two-year-old thing. Those comments could only come from someone who is seeking to diminish and is threatened by someone else's success because THP never put themselves on the pedestal. They never sought to be the authority about killing big deer. And so when I said jealousy, if you see THP in any of those early years and your first thought is to say, yes, but they're only killing blank, you 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 looked at that and you thought, I need to diminish this in order to feel something else, fill in whatever that is. Um, that tells me that the personality was what was winning. The community was what was winning because it wasn't the killing of the, of the big deer. And so I think, um, it, if there are people out there who are saying, well, this is not the same because it's not the same personalities. Um, it's kind of of that same vein. You're trying to reconcile with something that, 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 that sits with you, uh, difficultly, uh, maybe unsettling, but I don't feel like TH, I, I just, we we're on different ends of the spectrum. I think they did a great job of teasing in the new guys. And they're just great extensions. And I think it allows them to do more of what people want. Um, my strategy is just to adapt. Frankly, to be completely honest, my life has gotten more complicated with my son. My career has gotten more complicated. And so my ability to do what I wanted has necessitated change. And so the exit strategy is going to look different. What's to come is, I hope, for everybody going to feel very exciting and uh, feel like an extension of what I have attempted to build up until now, which is community, storytelling, that camaraderie of, of, of sharing something that two people enjoy uh, passionately. And um, I hope, I hope that if I ever hit that plateau uh, and I'm, I'm looking at the precipice on the other side, that uh, you're going to be that guy that uh, calls me and says, hey, man. Uh, I know you had a good time the other day, but do you feel like you're staying true to that community spirit? Because, and I have a feel, I have no doubt in my mind, you'd be the first person to call and ask that question. So, uh, you're giving me a lot of credit. Like I pay attention to your content, but, um, you know, if we're just being blatantly honest, I mean, what do I got to lose? You're going out of business. Um, <laughs> but chasing, chasing tails is going out of business. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Um, I think I warned you about this long ago. Um, Did you? Well, yeah, I think so. Um, I think your exact words were, if you don't give up hunting and come to to ATA, your podcast will fail. It was a skit on YouTube. Well, it's certainly possible. And I mean. Because just so everybody's clear, that's what he wanted me to do. Adam wanted me to take my best hunting opportunity that I have set aside, my rutcation, and he wanted me to say, be damned with that and go drink beer with him and a bunch of product reps in some godforsaken concrete jungle just so I could say I was there. Uh, one of those uh, product reps you speak of is uh, is that number two or <laughs> number three or – I mean – I guess I'm three, so it's two or one uh, on your most asked about, most listened, most downloaded podcast. And so the things that that the man talks about on a podcast pale in comparison to the things that he can say uh, unrecorded and the things that the man does, uh, you know, w- without I'm, the live you're, you're talking about, you know, walking away. Like, why do I do, should I put a camera on to capture more content at TAC, but does it cheapen my experience? And I'm sitting over here saying, should I forego my outdoor pursuit to go hang out and drink beer? I mean, that feels like it kind of takes away from the experience because I'm there to create content that's hopefully 
uh, telling a, a story. Going to make you money. Yeah, I get it. Oh, um, it's all back to money. Here we are, folks. <laughs> so, so uh, did you capitalize on those opportunities? Yeah, in several instances, actually. Yeah, yeah. He, he had a very zen experience. He saw the sun come up. It was Ate a, some granola. There was a falcon. Like his Subaru didn't get stuck. It was great. Um, <laughs> hey, I got got a new car the other day. Actually, I, I have a pickup now. Oh my gosh! I know. Like, what does one of those Mavericks run you if we're talking Ford? Um, <laughs> if you want to call it a truck, um, but uh, <laughs> but so from a, uh, I guess since you want to talk about hunting, um, so what are your goals this year, and like, where are you going to be hunting? Like, what are your uh, what things do you have coming up? Yeah. And you know, maybe just tell us who you're going to be hunting with. I just you know, if you got anything. <laughs> so uh, i'm gonna be hunting with parker and brett and matt so parker and brett are from southern ground uh, in case anybody on this podcast didn't know that but uh we're gonna be the doing coffee company is that a coffee company southern grounds right southern grind i think <laughs> that's funny yeah that's good shit um we're gonna be hunting georgia I'm going to be hunting Georgia, Florida, and Alabama this year. Uh, really wanted to put Kentucky on that list, or Tennessee on that list, I should say, but I can't fit it in this year. So we're going to hunt those three three states. Um, my goal is six deer again. I want to shoot six deer. I do want to try. There's a couple spots that are spot-specific. My my target animal changes, and those hunting those will be entirely condition dependent the right winds and whatnot so if the winds are not right for certain areas then i'm going to go to other places and the whatever i know is coming through that area the potential that's what's going to get shot so but i want to get six kills uh six kills this year with the bow and the gun however you want to split it up i don't care i'm indifferent and is that like a lofty goal is that a reasonable goal are there bucks and does in there is it all does i mean you can shoot the first six deer that walk by what, I just, what's going I just on don't care i really don't like i truly do not there when i tell you that i am grateful to be out there and to have the opportunity i mean that i, I am happy to be in the outdoors if i kill six does this year so be it i'll be super thrilled with that year with that i mean i, I hunt only public some of the areas i hunt are pretty hard to get to um and they take a, a fair amount of effort, especially when you're tired in the middle of the season to get there. And so for me, going on those adventures and going to some of those areas, I'm going to be going to Alabama this year for the first time. So whatever the hell walks out there, I'm shooting it. I mean, it's I just really don't care. I'd like I'd like one of them to be a big buck, uh, specifically in Georgia. There's one that had my number on a couple occasions last year. I think he was about 120 inches. I mean, he could have been bigger, uh, but because I don't have enough of them on the wall to, to say with assurances. I sent pictures of similar deer that I found on social media to my buddy that were at similar angles and similar distances. And they all said, Hey man, that's like 120 to 130 inch deer. I'm like minimum. He was that big and I'm like, okay, cool. Um, I don't care. I really don't. I could shoot six deer in a season. I could have shot. I shot four last year and I passed 10. past 10 so six would be a pretty good haul um i don't care i really don't i just I'm, I'm thrilled to be outside i literally i'm that guy that wakes up every day and walks outside feels the cool air and just is hyped i'm like a boykin spaniel every day i wake up just jittery and ready to go i, I just 
being outside is such a treat. It's something a lot of people don't get to experience. The frequency that I get to, I, I would love to hunt more, but even with the frequency I get to hunt, I feel really lucky. I feel really lucky because I got friends who get like one week in Kansas every year. And then the rest of the year, they're like, did you see anything today? Did you see anything today? What are you going this weekend? And you can just tell that they're dying to be out there like I am. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm that way. Um, I, th- I feel um, like uh, kids will change that for you um, just a little bit. If you take a lot of the things like um, Dan Infault said about like him with his kids and, and things like that, if you take a lot of that stuff to heart um, and you, and you really look at it and kind of unpack it, um, y- you'll think a little bit differently um, about what, um, about, so like there was a day that like, it was like a perfect afternoon that I was like off. It's like ready to go out hunting and like, I was getting ready to leave. I mean, and like when I say perfect, I'm not talking like bluebird day. I'm talking like 15 mile an hour, like, like steady wind. So you knew. Like it wasn't going to swirl. It wasn't doing that. Mm-hmm. It was overcast, maybe like a little drizzly, um, just like a perfect day um, where I knew the deer were going to be moving. I didn't really know. Like I had a couple of ideas of like where I was going to go. Um, and that's another one of the things that I need to work on. But anyway, like I'm walking out the door and I think my daughter was like three and she's like, dad, don't go hunting. Don't go hunting. And I was like, you know what? I don't have a place to go. It's, you know, so I'll just stay home. Like I'll, I'll, uh, kind of like, kind of like if your wife was going to ask you like not to go hunting on like a bad day, you know, like <laughs> on like mm-hmm. a, a bluebird day or like 80 mm-hmm. degree, that's probably 80 is probably cold for you, but like, you know, just, just a day that it's like not ideal, but like you just, I used to feel like I had to be in the woods. Like every time, every opportunity that I had, I felt like I had to be in the woods, uh, without a purpose. And I think like, I think kids change that a little bit. I think, I think it's like, now I want to have like a legit purpose, like going there and, you know, maybe people have found that a lot earlier before kids and said like, well, I'm not, I'm only hunting on the days that are going to be good for me that I know are going to produce. Like this is, I'm going to be very efficient with all this. I mean, I feel like, um, you know, our, our buddy Byron talks about that a lot as far as like the efficiency of like what days you're going to use or what, you know, family time you're going to burn, how you're going to do that. But I think that it changes things. Like, I think it changes like the want to be out there as much. Um, and, and like I said, that's just my personal thing, but I, but I think that that, that, that changed a lot for me. Um, and I don't know if it helped, um, as far as like, being more successful. But I think, again, if you want to go back to like that, like uh, hippie stuff and the, like, like being grateful, like Mm -hmm. you're like, if you put in good time, like with the family and like you change your. (laughs) Being uh, grateful is hippie, huh? Okay. All right. Keep going. Well, I I just think in in today's like society, like that isn't, and it's not like, I don't know, like a masculine thing to be like, oh yeah. Yeah. I'm really, you know, just, I'm just happy yeah. to be here, man. Like now mm-hmm. said, said no bodybuilder ever. Um, 
Like, it's just that to me is like what really shifted, you know, was like saying, okay, well, I'm going to spend as much quality time over here mm-hmm. and then I'm going to make the, like the moments that I have in the woods count instead of like, yeah, sitting in yeah. the woods being like, this is a terrible day. Like I could be mowing the lawn or sh- I got right. so much shit to do at the house. And I think, I think there's a real balance in that. And like, there's real balance in like, being like on point, like, Oh, this is going to be the day. Like I'm going to kill today. Like mm-hmm. every, I feel like every deer that I missed, I like, I feel like every deer that I've ever like screwed up on. I've, I've like been second guessing something in my head or being like, don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Don't screw it up. Instead of saying like, this deer is going to die right there. Um, when I've had that mentality, those deer been like, you know, haven't went out of sight. And, you know, with, with archery equipment and all that, it's like, it's a different, it's a different deal. But I think, you know, just to be like, well, I just love being in the woods. Well, I love being in the woods too, but you know, you got a family, you got all this other stuff going on. No, for sure. And, and that's not what I was trying to say. When I said that, I think that what I'm, what I'm trying to articulate is that whenever I'm out there, with intent, uh, every time I go out, I try and have intentionality. And with my son, we're, I'm actually seeing that change that you talked about this year. So my season's going to look way different. Uh, my son's two. He adores being outside with me, gardening. He's got a fishing pole. I'm already bracing for the fact that I think he's going to be an angler. The kid just uh, will sit there and watch you fishing YouTube all day long. You have to pry him from the TV. And so um, he's he's got a little fishing rod and he's casting it at two. He's casting it in the backyard with with great ease and so uh, i looked at my wife this year and i'm like listen he's only gonna be two for a year you know he's only gonna be three for a year there's there's gonna be some real formidable moments where his whole world is you and i right in the dog and so this year i'm going to do some hunting throughout the course of the early season but my best time to hunt because we have a staggered rut because of cold weather is going to be december and january September, October, November. Well, hell, even going all the way back to now, like I haven't, I haven't scouted for deer once since turkey season ended. I've gone fishing a couple times. Um, I hang out at the house. I'm hanging out with him. I'm taking him and doing stuff. I take him for hikes, and we'll go check trail cameras and stuff like that. But I'm gonna do. I got six to eight weeks. I'm gonna do the majority of my hunting, and if it's a shit day, I'm staying home, man. I'm staying home, hanging out with my kid on the weekends. We're going to barbecue. We're going to watch college football. We've got a nice little community of houses that have been bed out here now with kids his age that he just adores, and the parents are awesome. We're going to hang out. But when I'm outside, when I do go with that intentionality, that gratefulness for the opportunity to be there the, to, to, to feed myself, because like I said before, it's a meditative thing as much as it is just a recreational thing. That was a safe place for me in the, when I was younger. I'm just happy to be there, man. Just simply going more often than not is enough for me. And I come back a better version of who I am. So that um, six deer thing, right? Mm -hmm. Is that the lofty goal? So four is going to be fine. Like, so I think if I kill six, I think if I kill six deer in six weeks, yeah. Yeah. But you're not saying like 10, so, I, no. so I'm saying, like, if you get 80% of your goal, I'm fine with because it. that's what I'm saying. Like, so you should say 10 if you want six, just so we're clear. Um, and and, and I then guess, I guess I'm setting six because I'm okay with the four. Dude, if I kill one deer next year, <laughs> I'm going to be okay with it. Like, I just don't, I don't, 
maybe this makes me happy. I just don't care that much. If I go huge spells years without killing a deer, okay, that's going to be different. That's going to mentally take a toll on me because that's a component of why we do what we do, right? Um, I killed four deer last year. My freezer's got 40 pounds of deer in it still. I mean, if I kill two deer next year, I just don't care. I really don't. I'd like to, and I put goals on there because I think goals keep you honest for motives and for tracking purposes. And I think you have to have something that you put on the table that you look at for for some kind of quantification of what you're doing. But four's fine. Six is fine. And I don't so have do space th- for more than like five deer anyway. So, Do you think that those are like uh... – like when you when you say like oh I killed four deer last year I killed this many deer like oh it's fine like blah blah blah, um, and you have no like you have no standards. I don't mean that in like a derogatory way. No, I understand. Um, like do you think that that's like um like an arrogance? Um, because because for me that's that's the that's one of the reasons why um, that I like to bow hunt. That's why I choose archery um, is because I'm, I'm very confident that I can get, you know, in, in very, very, very cliche. Uh, but the, the thing is like, okay, go, you, you go through a spot where you want to see a deer, you go through a spot where you want to be able to like be close to a deer, you, you know, get drawn, like all the different steps. Um, like, I, I don't really have a problem like reading sign and like seeing, uh, deer, like I can find deer, like I can kill deer and God, if you gave me a gun, like it would be, it's a whole nother scenario just because the range changes. Um, but like going out and finding, like for me, it's validation of like, I, I don't just talk to all these big buck hunters and not apply it. You know, I, I go out there and it's like to prove to myself, like it's a, it's a, it's a mental struggle to not be the world's worst bow hunter. Right. Um, and to, to get to see those things that you were talking about, like to, you know, to, if you could just see a 200 inch buck or like when you just see a, like a really nice buck, I mean, the, the buck that came in after dark when I was in Ohio was a freaking monster, like just, and, and oh, just, just the the validation but i mean i don't know like it's you know you, you know what i remember from last year my crowning achievement last year i shot a spike that had two nubs that barely made it a four point at a wma that three years in a row i went to and got my shit rocked it, it, i've got it i've got the european in my in my um garage i've got the the tag that went with it. It's hanging on the on the on the deer. I went to the WMA for three years. I'm talking catastrophic failures of woodsmanship and 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 efficiency as a killer, um, inability to you know overcoming any number of obstacles. In three years, I went to that WMA and I killed something that I think most people wouldn't even thought about pulling the trigger on. And I'm gonna tell you right now, you probably can still hear the echo of the woo that went down that hollow when that deer dropped. Like I could not care less what it was. I went on an adventure and I proved something to myself. I was resilient. I pushed through something. I overcame things. I never gave up on it. 
And I feel like I came out of those three years with that, with that swamp bottom, a better version of a woodsman. And so I had an experience that's unique to me. That was very, that was uh, an adventure that I feel like uh, to many people would seem whimsical and uh, indicative of somebody who can't kill deer. And in my mindset, okay, so I got the deer, but in reality, that was a three years of, of perseverance and, and a success at the, at the tail end of it. And that's what matters to me is that I feel like I go on an adventure every time. So I guess uh, let me rephrase the goal question sure. um, because I feel like I'd be being disingenuous if I didn't. Um, does setting reasonably attainable goals really count as making them a goal or a challenge like intrinsically i think it depends on what the motive behind the goal is i mean you can you can have a goal that just that's just a barometer for checking in you have you can have goals that uh are measures of of growth Right. Like in, in it, it, you can have goals that are simply put out there to simply in, um, inspire betterment of whatever skill set it is that's out there. Right. I, I want to increase my tax client base by 140. I want to shoot a 180 inch deer. Um, I want to shoot a couple deer and have a great time doing it. And I'm happy with that every year. Is. So I, I guess just like from a, like a 30,000 foot view, wouldn't that just be living? What's wrong with that? Oh, well, uh, but I mean, like you're the one that always challenges me on like goals. For a like, business. Well, but I'm in the business of having fun. Uh, like, <laughs> yes, you are. Like, business so, is booming. So, so, but, but you understand what I'm saying? I mean, sure. it's like, it's like you're just saying, like, that's what I'm going to do. Like, if I said, like, my goals this year are to hunt Kansas and Ohio, Indiana and Michigan, uh, all that costs is gas and the tags. Yeah. Uh, so, the commitment, the time. That's just life. That's just who I am. So, but why are then, those bad goals? Because they're not goals. Yeah. They those are. are how we have this this is this is the the idea that has been cultivated around not being okay with where you are not everything has to be intrinsic of 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 improvement right if 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 you have found a place in your life that you're comfortable people do this in careers all the time you make boatloads of money you then scale back and you spend that money and you have a good time doing it and you don't go with the same frequency of earning more and more and more in the years to come i know a fella who's built his whole life around making enough money to pay for his life but also having as much free time as humanly possible the guy works like one day a week okay he could go out there and get two other jobs and continue to make money but you don't you don't set goals of let me work five days a week. You're happy where you are and other parts of your life are flourishing as a result of it. Not everything has to have a goal that means you are doing better than you were the year before. But what if it's um, – so So you think you could go backwards and you could have a goal? Well, uh, and I think that that would be reasonable if you said, okay, well, I want to kill one deer that's 120 inches and I'm not going to stop until I do that. But – from 
the other side of that where I said, well, if I just said I wanted it, why would I even buy a tag? Why wouldn't I just go travel to Kansas? And like, why, why would I buy the tag? I could just bomb around on the public land, you know, piss everybody off, have no <laughs> weapon, you know, just, I'd pick, I'd pick a great time to do it too, mm-hmm. you know, but, but, November. but, but that's, but that's to me is like, why, uh, you know, it, it goes back to like what your goals were for the podcast and how small they were. Mm-hmm. And like, once we parsed it out, you're like, yeah, that doesn't really make sense. Cause that's not, that's not a goal. Um, that, that would just be life. That would be natural, mm-hmm. uh, improvement. Um, and so uh, again, like not from a Walter standpoint, but from a, a listener standpoint, like, so you, you would say like to your listener that you should have a goal that just makes you happy. It doesn't have to be uh, any sort of improvement. You don't need to challenge yourself. You don't need to like all of that is um, made up uh internet, Instagram, mumbo jumbo. Um, what you need to do is, is simply just, just exist and and be happy with the life that you're already living. Don't strive to be better. Don't try to do anything, uh, really crazy. I never said don't. I just think we need to be careful. You You said we don't need to, I guess. We don't need to have goals in every aspect of our life that are growth. No. If you're happy where you are, why does somebody have to change? So, I would say that I would imagine if your son's not potty trained, he's pretty much happy going to the bathroom in his diaper. Well, but there's a need behind that. There's a need for not him for him potty trained. Not in the society we're, that we're, we're moving taking, towards. We're, ta- we're taking something that's recreational and optional, and you're saying you're why, you, why you don't call that you don't you life? don't think like wearing a diaper and just sitting there would be recreational. Like, it might be. I, I mean, I'm sure you've be been to like a couple of dogs games or something that you're like, man, I wish I didn't have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably pretty fair. I've definitely done my wind sprints to the bathroom on commercial breaks. Um, I, but, think, I mean, I think I, that, that's the way that I look at it, though, is like there yeah. you if I, I don't you can't I, to me, you you that would be like saying like, oh, I just hope the. I just hope my team gets to the championship. It's good enough if they just completely Why don't shit you the work bed. Five days a week? Why don't I? Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't. It doesn't drive me. It doesn't matter. So, but you should be striving. All of your goals should be based on the logic you're throwing forth. Should be you should fill as much of your time making money and as much of your time that you're not making money and doing more of everything else. I mean, at some point you max out what you can and cannot do in a life, right? Well, I guess I would look at it from a if if we were going to um, if we're gonna if if we were gonna like parallel the two, mm-hmm. so I would say that I've I've already um, killed the hundred and fifty inch deer in my career, and I've I've put in the work and I've I've done that and I've seen what that entails. And now I'm cool killing hundred inch bucks and, and having a ball doing it, but that doesn't make the goal. Like sometimes like where I'm at right now was always the goal. As a matter of fact, ironically, it was the reason I chose the career that I did 
was to be able to do this. And it's just all come full circle. So, then, but I, so but I is think your goal this year to work less than one day a week. Uh, well, I, I'm scheduled five days in November. Okay. So, I mean, so then you, so then you found an arena of your life that you have improvement. You have the capacity and the resources to allocate to that without taking away from other parts of your life. Right. But I don't call that a goal. I've achieved that goal and now it's just living. But shouldn't you be striving for more and better in that arena of your life? No, but I wouldn't call it a goal. I've 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 already achieved the goal, and then uh, I've put okay, in the so, work to so do last, more. So if I if my goal last year was four deer, mm-hmm. why do I have to have a goal that's in excess of four? You don't. But you can't say that it's a goal. You could say that I don't really have a goal this year. I'm just going to do the same thing as I did last year. It's that's just pretty standard i'll just because i mean if you were in michigan and you only hunted michigan and you were like a rifle hunter that would be it would literally be putting meat on the table you would just say like i'm gonna fill my two tags doesn't matter what walks by and that's gonna be my deer season there's gonna be no scouting there's gonna be no like targeting anything there's gonna be no anything it wouldn't be the goal it would just be life so you're saying by inevitable by, by default of saying I've got a goal of six deer this year, and by being indifferent towards that that's that particular success, it, in, it invalidates the goal that I've set. I would say that I mean I guess I would have to look up like Webster's definition of a goal, um, but I would say that it would no longer be a goal. It would just be. It would just be I see, your day to day. I see. I see several different mechanisms behind um, the object. The object of a person's ambition or effort, an aim or desired result. I have more than one reason why I go in the woods. Killing six deer is not number one. Being being going on an adventure and testing my woodsmanship and trying to get within range of a deer and being forgotten by the world around me that's number one somewhere between two three four five and six killing those deer become one of those goals but it's not the primary outcome so why it's don't you the, do it year round why don't you go sit in, sit sit in a saddle year round and be undetected i do in a lot of ways but there's balance in life and one of my balances in life is also making sure that i hang out with my son more and my wife and feed my relationship with my wife and my career as well so that goes back to taking the known resources and allocate and time that you have and allocating it reasonably amongst what your goals and your outcomes are and i think this is why a lot of people actually get very frustrated and they get lost in things because some people do not have the time and the resources to achieve the goals that they set for themselves you know if if you're goal is to kill a 150 in Florida that takes a certain amount of resources whether that's money to have a really nice lease and the money to put in the food plots or the time to put in uh, on a piece of public and find that deer there are certain there's certain thresholds and criteria that go into that and for me my outdoor pursuit can't be cannot be tied to something that is unrealistic for the, what I have to put into it. You know, when I was younger and I hunted every day after work and I had the weekends, and I didn't have kids, my resource, my time resource was, was bigger, right? Um, if my goal was to kill bigger deer in my current scenario, I wouldn't hunt in Florida. I would drive to Kansas and I would hunt for a week, two weeks out of the year, and I'd call it a day. And that would be my season. 
I just, I just have a different outcome. Being in the woods makes me a better version of myself for whatever reason, being out there pursuing, pursuing that hunting and fishing component, whether it's a support component, like going out and, and, and pinging a, a, a shelf for structure and finding fish for the future hunt for the, for the future uh, fishing uh, event, or if it's going and finding a rub line and documenting it so you can come back and, and, and be a part of that, that pursuit. That's the why that has to be the why. And I think you can't get lost in the shuffle and you can't get lost in lofty expectations set by the bow hunter Chronicles podcast. Uh, if you, if you stay anchored in your first, your first component, your first objective is simply to be out there. In my opinion, that's take it or leave it. I, I don't care. Yeah. But I mean, I guess like uh, unpacking it all. If I mean, so it would seem like the goal is really more quality days in the woods because you could sure. kill six deer on the first day, achieve your goal, but not hit your why. What do you mean by quality? Uh, that visceral experience of that peregrine falcon or those bobcats mm-hmm. or that being lost in the in the woods, the the mystical flight of the arrow, the, yeah. you know, what, whatever it is we that went, we went really nuge on this podcast, didn't we? What, what, what really, uh, well, I mean, you brought up Fred bear, um, but whatever, whatever it is for you is, is having that connectedness to the earth back to what we were talking about. Um, but the, but that, but I, th- I guess that that's why it, it, it just kind of threw me because in there, I didn't really see, like, I mean, I'm, I would imagine that you've been, you've had a day in the woods where like right amount of tags, right, right. You know, situation, you could have killed six deer in a day mm-hmm. and that would meet your goal, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have really met your goal. You know, I, I just, what, but the goal was six deer, four deer, whatever. Um, a goal was not the goal. Well, but I asked you what your goal was, and you said, "Yeah, and I initially in the terms that I felt like you were asking." Well, you messed up. I um, messed up. I messed up, <laughs> AA, Ron. <laughs> but uh, like I say, like so, th- so that to me is like why, like I had to like dive in on the no, that makes sense. question because yeah. like I thought I went without saying that one of my goals was to go hunting, but uh, in the future I'll be more clear. Well, I mean, your future's bleak. <laughs> the future's only two more episodes. I know so. that's what I'm saying. <laughs> so. Well, well, we we have done two things here. Um, I think we've lost all of what remained of my podcast base. Um, and that was we the did, point. That was that, <laughs> there's nothing left for Jake or Taylor. Um, but we've also done something that you always wanted, which is long form podcasts. We've been on the horn now for two hours. So you got uh, your, and I quote, I feel like whenever you get right to the point of having a good podcast, you tell the person you appreciate their time and you send them on their way. So here we are two hours later. Uh, if you're still with us, good God, I appreciate you. Well, it, honestly, I, I don't even know where to go from here um, <laughs> because I'm going to say what I really think. And okay. But it, but you just let me like drive the podcast. You didn't ask me any questions. You brought me on here to just bust your balls. So um, I appreciate that. Um, that was, it's fun. 
you know, it's all, it's one of those things that it's always great to to catch up with you. I'm, I mean, I guess I'm going to have to travel south if I ever want to, uh, you know, meet up with you. And I'm, I, I won't be down there for fishing. Um, so it's come, it's not come, my come alligator hunting. Well, I'll draw a tag and you can come alligator hunting. No, I want that. Uh, whatever that island is for the weird little elk deer Sand thing I'm about. Deer. Yep. Yep. We should talk afterwards. But, uh, but yeah. So. Like I said, I, I appreciate uh, our relationship. Uh, I'm excited for uh, your next adventure. Um, uh, P.S. I already know what it is uh, for the listener. <laughs> so that's I was trying to get you uh, some some information. And yeah. he's just like, I can't do it. I'm, you know, he's like, I'm going to edit all this shit out anyway. I'm, I'm um, not editing a dang thing. I'm going <laughs> to put this through the filter and we're going to post it. No intro music or anything. No loop. Uh, so, um, but yeah, like I said, I, I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the banter and uh, I, it, the, the last bit of that, where you were kind of getting frustrated with me um, reminds me, I forget what we were talking about. Uh, I think it was like during COVID when you were telling me like how, like it, it was all for the best and um, everything was you know, we were saving lives and all the stuff. And I was being the, the, the typical, uh, redneck conservatives, uh, you know, I do have a, a, a background to understand these kind of things. And, uh, you're like, but no, the world is needs to be safe. We need to think of all of our brothers and things. And I'm like, you're not going to put a curfew on me. White devil. No, that's exactly what he said. Actually, guys, <laughs> Uh, but it, re- it it was very reminiscent of that. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is the Walter I remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I appreciate you coming on here and busting my balls. And I, and I am remarkably grateful for the relationship because my goals now have changed. And they're far more indicative of where you were trying to push me in the past. And I'm excited for everybody to hear what's to come because I, uh, I think they're going to be happy about it. I'm going to leave it at that, but I appreciate you taking time out your day, sir. That's my typical sign off. Um, if, if you're still stuck with me here to this point, please go home and take whatever goals you had and just throw them out and, and, and write 170 or bust on it because otherwise uh, you're unworthy to listen to the Bowhunter Chronicles podcast. And he will, he, he, he turns his nose up at you uh, as he passes in the street. What's a, your, your mom smells of your dad smells of elderberries and your, your mother was a, What's the Monty Python scene when he's? Yeah, yeah I just butchered okay. that. <laughs> but until I next fought time. in your general direction. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Y'all be good, and until next time, enjoy the great outdoors.